0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Event Industry News podcast. This podcast is kindly sponsored by N200GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information on N200 and its smart event solutions, visit n200.com. So a very good morning, afternoon, or evening to whenever or however you are tuning in to this podcast if you're watching the re-recording. And a very good afternoon to everybody that's connected to the live stream of today's podcast via Event Industry News. Dot .com today's live stream will allow you as always to interact in real time with our guests giving you the power to put questions directly to them and get your opinions heard you can also submit your questions via twitter using @eventnewsblog don't forget to stay up to date with all of the latest content from eventindustrynews.com by downloading the new event industry news app available for all the major mobile devices so hello to everybody thanks for joining the podcast once again and let's move on to today's subject. We're going to be talking health and wellness um, within the events industry and within uh, the people who work within this uh, this fabulous sector. Um, some recent media coverage over in the USA has pointed to a survey and some research that was conducted that put event managers and event organizers among the top five most stressful jobs that you can do. Uh, This is, uh, as a a result, something that the events industry is starting to address, and joining us today are our guests who are gonna tell us a little bit more about how that's happening and what's being done. First of all, we welcome back to the podcast uh, a previous collaborator and guest, uh, Alistair Turner, President of ILEA UK Chapter. Alistair, thanks for joining the podcast.
1: Hi, James.
0: And Helen Moon first time contributor to the podcast we welcome Helen is the managing director of the EWL Club and also a freelance event director Helen thank you very much for joining the podcast
2: hi James it's a pleasure
0: so let's come to you first of all Alistair Um, the top five most stressful jobs that you can do is it is it really that serious and how is it affecting people working in our profession well I
1: think To most people that work in events, I think you're either going to completely buy into that and say, yeah, absolutely, I hear that. My word, it can be an incredibly stressful job. Or you're that other sort of event professional who's permanently understanding that that actually what we do is just what we do, and you crack on with it. But actually, for the events industry to get that level of um, bad endorsement, so to speak, is actually, I think, a major wake up call for us. I think if that was investment banking, if that was um, leisure centre manager, bank manager, whatever it is, there would be an industry reaction. And I'm really keen, both as um, an event professional in my own right, but also as president of the International Live Events Association, to uh, be part of any industry reaction that, um, that combats or at least um, uh, starts to tackle what I think is the major issue that's just come to life for us.
0: Um, I'm going to to sort of kick things off by um, quoting uh, some information that I found off the website mentalhelp.net and I'll read it word for word as it says it on here. In daily life we often use the term stress to describe negative situations. This leads many people to believe that all stress is bad for you. Which is not true. Now, going back to uh, the media coverage and the reports and this survey that I quoted that came out of the U.S. that says the top five most stressful um, jobs. When we understand the fact that not all stress is necessarily bad, and that good stress is associated with things that have a positive outcome, and we work in a perfect example whereby event organisers are working very very hard and under pressure to deliver an event but ultimately that could be deemed as good stress so have we identified this in the industry and are we are we very much looking at the, the negative side of the stress here and the impact it's
1: having So I think it's a really important point that you raise and I guess why we're really keen to be involved in any sort of dialogue around here is to split the two up now clearly to, to go into events as an event coordinator to be part of that events world you need to get a huge amount of satisfaction and buzz off the adrenaline that comes of producing a live event and be uniquely rewarded like you know, few other professions can give you. Mm-hmm. However what we've got to be really really clear about is the stress that is the, uh, the adrenaline rush of doing our jobs well and the stress that actually really can hurt us and I think perhaps in the events industry we've been a bit guilty of combining two and not realizing that actually what we consider to be a wonderful, brilliant rite of passage for any event organiser is actually hurtness in the, in, in, in the, in the other side. Um, mm. And that's why I think it's really important. One of the things that I've been saying around these sort of things is the, the response needs to come from within the events industry and for the events industry. And it's only the event professionals that have been there, done that, understand it all, that can actually um, understand the difference between the two, and then learn to, 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 to deal with it.
0: Helen if we can uh, come over to you and um, I suppose first of all in your role as a freelance event director um, I've no doubt you've got significant experience in the industry and I dare say have encountered situations during events and in the run-up to events where you are really 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 stressed how how is it for you and where's your involvement in this current situation where Alistair and the team at Alia are now beginning to address what's happening in the industry?
2: Um, I suppose, yeah, for me, I've had 20 years experience in the industry, and what's quite unique to me is the fact that I've worked on both sides, so i spent a considerable amount of years on the venue and operations side of the industry, and I'm moving across to the planner-organiser side, so I've got quite a unique aspect of being able to see the stress levels that can operate for everybody that works within the industry, and very much what you've touched on, I mean, stress isn't always a negative thing. Stress is a good thing, particularly for organizers. I mean, as human beings, you're supposed to experience stress. You have that kind of natural fight or flight kind of instincts. Mm. When you're opposed to either you either stay and fight, which basically is what a lot of us in our industry kind of do. A lot of people in the industry thrive off the adrenaline buzz um, that, that running an event and experience that kind of stress gives you and that, that kind of high that you walk away when you've put months and months of planning into something, you're there on site, you're seeing it from start to finish, you're seeing it come to fruition, you're seeing all of these strategic ideas and stuff. It It is stressful because you're, you're, you're handling an awful lot of clients' ideas, visions and stuff and a lot of it in the run-up while you're going through all that all of that operational planning, all of that strategic planning, is—is is this going to work? Is this going to do what the client wants it to do? Um, are we going to—we're going to pull this off for them? So you have all of that, and then you have all the stuff that that happens on the day as well, from from making sure the rooms are to making sure the equipment's working, handling all of the stakeholders. I mean, that it's just a a small event I ran in October. Last year, I, I, I had 52 stakeholders to look after, um, that's not including the delegates of which there was 250. So you can imagine the kind of pressure on planners, yeah. but also as well pressure on the suppliers and the venues and stuff to make sure that you're delivering that event for that planner and setting off that vision that planner and ultimately the, the end client has has put forward. So. I, it's stressful, but there's there's a lot of us love it. There's a lot of us have worked in the industry for a very, very long time because we love it. There's a lot of us, a lot of people that that probably never leave the industry because they love it as well. It's it's that that buzz more than anything else. But I suppose that the the bad side of the penny really is it's what goes up must come down kind of stuff. And it's counteracting working in that stressful environment to ensure that you know, you're taking time for yourself. You spend a lot of your time taking care of everybody else. But when do, when do you take a break and take uh, just a moment to, to, I suppose, to kind of fix yourself, I suppose, and away from all that stress that's been going for your body kind of stuff? I mean, there's some planners um, will do so like 16, 18 hour days quite, quite easily without even thinking. And sometimes, without even remembering to stop for a coffee or. Have something to eat, and um, because you're on that, because you're on that buzz, because that adrenaline is flying through you. As well as there's Claire Derrick, who's director of education for um, the Event Academy. So, I did my event management diploma with them recently. I requalified, and they, at Event Academy, they have a very, very nice description for it. They call it the Serene Swan. So all event organizers are Serene Swans. So you'll see them looking very, very calm at the top and then underneath the water the feet are going like the clappers basically so that is a very very good analogy of describing what it what event organisation event planning is
0: sure Alistair, um, just uh, feeding off of, of something that Helen mentioned, um, Helen's got 20 years experience working in the industry and presumably some of the, the examples and, and, and uh, the case studies that she could reference go back that far. Um, why has it taken so long for the, for the industry and for an association like Aliyah to, to realise that there's an issue and, and when was it sort of first prompted and when did you first become aware that we need to now put a plan in place?
1: I, I feel really guilty and I think I'm probably indicative of a general industry response because actually almost a year ago today we asked all of our members what are the things that are most important to them in their day to day life and we had everything from comments about Brexit, globalisation, um, procurement and things like that but right at the very top was um, health and wellbeing and um, we put together a programme of which we only got to health and wellbeing about two months ago. Um, and if I had known what response we were really looking at then, I would have done it straight away because what I thought that this was about was people just trying to get some balance back into their life, um, people trying to live healthier lifestyles and to have a, a more relaxed conversation. What I found at those those events that ILEA had been doing was some people coming up to us afterwards and to my speakers afterwards in genuine um, concern, some real... General um, frustration and fear around their own personal well being. I got talking to Helen, who did something very, very similar, and it found out that Helen was pretty much having exactly the same conversation within her community as well. So I think it's probably always been there. Um, to see it personally was quite um, powerful to me, and it's why me and my board wanted to sort of take this forward. But then you add in there some of the statistics that we're getting from outside of the industry, like the Forbes Research and things like that, that right. actually sort of says, this is all coming in. So it all kind of came together. And every time I speak to an event professional about it, from a, um, someone coordinating a venue to an account manager running events to a client who's essentially funding events, every single person's got an opinion on it and a very personal story around it. So I actually mm. think this is a bit of a sleeping giant as well.
0: Um, Helen. Hmm. Event organizers a lot. I'm, I'm fascinated by how many event organizers and people work in the industry, people that work in other professions as well who say I work best under pressure. I always do my best work when I'm under pressure and and so even though I know that it's a, a real negative trait of mine, I tend to leave things for the last minute when I get that buzz so that I can rush through and I know that I'm going to get everything done are, are we are people that work in the industry? causing their own problems by not managing their time and doing things just a little bit smarter. I know we do an awful lot of planning, but there are still a lot of people that do leave things to the last minute so that they get that buzz, they get that kick, knowing that they're going to deliver it. Could we maybe address it with, is it a training issue that we need to look at for how people are actually managing their time?
2: Um, I think so, definitely. I think as an industry, there's something we can do and it's more proactive in terms of helping professionals to do exactly what you said, better manage time, better manage workloads. Um, a lot of the, the planners and organizers that, that I network with and I speak to and stuff, it's not necessarily, I would say, that people are leaving things to the last minutes just to get that kind of buzz because they're they favour working under pressure. I think for a lot of people at the moment, it's workloads. Um, there's an awful lot of um, of planners that I speak to that are having to manage huge event programs. So it's not so much that's... I, I don't personally know any planners that would purposely leave something to the last minute um, just to get that kind of high, if that makes sense. I, I know an awful lot of planners that have no choice but to have left things to the last minute, because of the workloads that they're having to work to. And there's something that we can do as an industry to better support, whether that's educating planners to better organise their their time management, um, or whether it's actually speaking to business owners, um, CEOs, managing directors, and better educating them in terms of how how they can help and support their teams. Because it, it, it has a knock-on effect. Um, I don't know, if I'm honest and hold my hand up, I don't know any planner that likes to leave things to the last minutes. Because we're all pretty much, we like to call ourselves perfectionists. Um, when you're leaving things to last minutes, myself included, and some of the, the other organizers I speak to, there's always room for, for error. Attention to details, stuff like that. So, in a, in a way, I suppose I don't necessarily agree with with that statement. Um, but I'm sure, absolutely positive, there's people in the industry that that kind of agree to that.
0: Um, Al- Alistair, perhaps this one is is best directed at um at you. Um, workloads being placed on on event organisers. Then, is this a is this a budget issue? Could could we also be talking to event? organizers and the people who own events to say hold on a second you can't really be putting this size of event and this much pressure on a one or two person team you know really you need to be revising your budgets to incorporate three four or five people into manage what you're actually asking of is is that something that could also be addressed and is it an angle worth looking at?
1: Yeah I mean I I think there's, there's two, I've got two sides of that I think I think undoubtedly uh, and certainly, in, in in our membership, which is predominantly event organising agencies, freelancers, and people within that sort of um, that world, there is more pressure put on those guys than has been perhaps in the past. I think budgets are tight. We're living in austerity. Um, you've got the dual pressure of the client pressure and the internal pressure. You've got um, account managers and uh, account directors below you, people um, above you. You've got all sorts of things that are pushing that individual into a service point. And I think that is certainly an industry issue. I, I, I think it's worse, but I don't think it's changed massively. I think where we come of it from at ILEAR is that's the job in terms of the day to day job. Where we start to get concerned is when event professionals are not coping with their jobs and not coping with their lives. So if we look at the, the general yeah. person that comes up to us after these uh, events, um, they are of that perhaps slightly more junior level, but starting to grow in responsibility. Um, they are increased pressure from all sides. But they also do things like they might be looking to start a family, or get married, or um, they might be trying to live a more healthier lifestyle. And what's happening is um, their, their lives and their jobs are not compatible together anymore. And what that means for us is it's not about someone trying to cope to do their job. It's us potentially losing talent out of the industry because our industry isn't coping with that level of person. Um, and there's all sorts of things that this this industry of ours that we love has, a, has negative impacts on, from sleep, food, time, personal life, practical life. All of that has massive implications to it. And I don't think we've quite got under the skin of that yet. I don't think we've quite handled that. I think we let the individual handle that, and I'm not sure the industry is
0: forgive uh, forgive the fact that uh, somebody's just pulled up on their motorbike outside we'll, uh, we'll edit that little bit out Paul um, I'm curious to ask Alistair um, when when you when you look at that experience and, that, and those people that are coming in like you said maybe perhaps a junior level but they're starting to gain experience they're starting to really understand how to or or not understand, but realise that there is a work-life balance to be had within this industry. Is it something that can be addressed at an even earlier stage when these perhaps junior event organisers and event professionals are studying event management, for example, in in colleges or universities? Is it something that could be addressed on an academic level?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I guess there is the classic um, does it need to come with a health warning um, Mm -hmm. coming into this industry. Mm -hmm. I do think it takes a certain person to come yeah. into the industry and I don't think anyone's coming in eyes wide closed about this sort of stuff. I don't think yeah. people are coming in ignorant around it. I, I, again I think what what happens is I mean, we, we see you see the young person coming into the industry full of ambition and willing to put everything into their role. It's only when other things start influencing it that they, they really get called out on that sort of stuff when they're looking for promotions or progressions, um, You know, added responsibilities and added stresses. These are things that um, need to be sort of almost handled after getting into an uh, into a job and um, it needs to be handled by the agency or the business around them and and, and I include sort of in-house event professionals around that needs to be included in those sort of areas as well because I think that's where the pinch really comes but I also think there's another thing about this as well which is we all know that you know for that event week or for that event month we are going to be run down and that yeah. things that different demands on us we know this what we don't know is how to handle it. So. Helen talks about, you know, event professionals having four hours sleep, okay, we know that's going to happen and we're not going to try and stop that from happening, but perhaps we do should, we should put into place how an event professional can get the best four hours sleep they can possibly get, how one would recover afterwards. Um, We know that lots of times they'll probably have their dinner at about four o'clock in the morning after an event, okay, we can't stop that, but what we can do is make sure that they're taken on the right set level of nutrition and that they're getting the right advice from the people around them and the businesses around them to help them deal with that sort of stuff. I think it's about putting in things like that that we're, we're personally I'm as interested in.
0: And and, yeah. and Helen, what, what, one thing I might add to, to what Alice had just said, perhaps on a on a diet point of view, you know, and, and when somebody's actually really in the thick of battle, so to speak, you know, yes, people are running around at 100 miles an hour all day, but I suppose things like taking a water fresh juice you know eating small snacks that could actually be healthy to you are things like that important and is that, is that something you've addressed as well
2: yeah I think absolutely like diet and nutrition is important in all works of life whether you're in a whatever you do but for, um, for your career for your job role, whatever you do it's important in terms that you eat for yourself everybody has different nutritional needs and then you have to make sure that you, you have a balanced diet that addresses whatever you need yourself. Um, I suppose the biggest example I can give is um, if you're about to run a marathon, you're not you're not going to run a marathon having just eaten um, a slice of toast, are you? So there's lots of people that train for marathons and stuff. They put a lot of training into it. And they they look at their diet in the lead up to that. And while the the day before, they'll they'll fuel their body up on pastas and carbohydrates and proteins and all that kind of thing. It's it's. It's a similar, I suppose, in terms of an educational kind of point that we need to put out to the industry that if you've got a big event coming up, then you need to basically look at your nutrition in that week running up to that event and probably the the day of the event as well, in terms of the fuel that you're putting into your body to to make sure that your brain's looked after and make sure that your body and, and stuff is looked after while you're running that event. So, I mean, just to to give one example, um. The, the last like big conference I did, I was three and a half months pregnant, suffering from severe morning sickness, terrible morning sickness, and my dad suffered from morning sickness from, from week six right up into week 17, and the one day, the one day that I wasn't sick at all until I got home at half past ten that night was the day that I was running that conference, which just goes to show the amount of cortisol and adrenaline that is running through your body that whole day. So when you've got that amount of of stress hormone running through your body, you need to fuel this, the damage that that can do to, you not know, your brain needs to recover from that, you, your, your organs need to recover from that. So you need to make sure that you're putting the right nutrients in your body to be able to cope with that and then taking the time afterwards to recover properly as well. Um, good stress bad stress all that
0: kind of thing so just to draw a little uh, comparison Alistair um I- I've spoken a-, a lot in the past with um with a different sector of the events industry which would be that the outdoor festival and the touring music industry um and and as everybody who- who's listening or watching the podcast will know our industry is subdivided into a lot of various types of sector that won't necessarily sort of cross-pollinate with each other as such Um, and I know that in the touring industry, in the festival sector for for, for many many years now that the boots on the ground so that the the crews and the touring guys have have realised you know what good nutrition and bad nutrition is, is and they will have dedicated crew caterers rather than just a ticket to go and get a sandwich in one of the outlets is there a, has the differentiation between some of the event sectors within our industry have been a- uh, highlighted and, and are you able to perhaps draw on what some of the other sectors are doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely and I think I think the, the analogy you draw is absolutely right. I mean that, that is a, a group of people that fundamentally understand just, just because the, 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 the context of that event is so wild and extreme that they, they, they really do focus on understanding the pressures that they're put under us as, as, as human beings mm. um, and I think we can learn a lot from the outdoor sector I think the outdoor, especially more of those consumer, large you know, events, um, are different in makeup from things like exhibitions, but actually share so many common ground in terms of the pressures, the builds, the extreme level of um, anxiety that comes into them, all those sort of things, that, that, that why wouldn't we cross over? And Perhaps that bit that's a bit more businessy isn't mm. as quick on the uptake on the, um, the lifestyle stuff as perhaps the bit that is a bit more consumery, a and leisure yeah, um sure. and other stuff. Um, it's probably around sectors as well, you know. I mean, a lot of those guys would see themselves in music industry and not so much the event professionals, so they have a slightly different approach. But I do think a, an across-the-board events industry approach is, is absolutely right because I personally don't like to differentiate the stresses that an exhibition organiser festival organizer, brand activation, or conference organizer would all have. I think it's the same. I actually think it's the same. You have your peaks, you have your trusts, you have your reward, you have your demands, and it's about which part of those industries are, are, are best protecting their people from them.
0: Um, Helen, is anticipation of uh, of this potentially happening also something that we need to educate on and give people advice on? And when I say that, what I mean is that Um, you may take a a high-level conference organiser who might spend several months planning and working but in a nine-to-five office environment where they go in they do take a lunch break you know they can still get a lot of work done but ultimately it's a a nine-to-five type operation and then suddenly as the event week lands upon them they're thrust into an environment which is actually alien to what their body is used to on a day-to-day basis and um, by anticipating that and understanding that there is going to be suddenly this huge pressure put on them for a short period of time, they can actually cope with it a bit better.
2: Um, yeah, I think so. It comes down to the cultures of different organisations, doesn't it? I think Alistair touched on it in terms of, you're talking about the people that work in the festivals, for example, don't actually see themselves as working in the events industry a lot, than they see themselves as working in the music industry. So mm-hmm. if you speak to a lot of corporate organisers, they have exactly the same mindset a lot of them as well there's a lot they they, they work in banking or they work in legal so it's yeah. it can be very, very difficult to get that kind of educational kind of focus across say so that you're an event organizer this is what you need to be doing kind of stuff and it can depend on the culture of the <laughs> organizers and in the industries that they are associated with because for a lot of event organizers they're not they're not just working within one industry they're working across industries so it's from an educational perspective point I think that's that needs to come from the events industry mm-hmm. in the form of advice and help and assistance and support and I think that's how you can address it um because obviously for, particularly for corporate planners as well the, the complication can come in terms of the companies that they work for but I think if you actually speak to an awful lot particularly from the corporate side if you speak mm-hmm. to an awful lot of corporate event planners now a lot there's a massive wave outside of the industry where well, this has already started. So you're talking to a lot of the big banks, a lot of the big law firms, um, a lot of the big media companies already have their own well-being and oneness um, initiatives in place, and it's huge for them and um, because there's a lot of focus on it. So I think we're, we're, it's, it's already started if you see what I mean, the wave has already started and sure. um, it's important for us as an industry to ensure that we're doing as much, if not more, to support the professionals for, for the events industry in terms of what they need and the support and everything they need. Um, uh, I think, in terms, as I just said, in terms of the, the corporate market, that supports, they, they have a lot of support there additionally mm-hmm. as well um, because it it's change Change is starting to happen, if that makes sense, in terms well, of hours. Well,
0: that, that, that brings us on nicely, Helen, because uh, Alistair, my, my, my next question was going to be how how is advice, training, support beginning to manifest itself within the industry? I know that Aliyah did an event back in April, um, I think on the 18th, um, to, to, that was specifically aimed at looking at the subject of health and wellness. Um, what has been done, what is being planned and what is now
1: on the schedule to be done? So we're, um, we're kind of learning as we go on this. Um, I, think, I think the first thing is, is we're bringing together a growing community of people that um, are really interested in this and want to get proactive about it. Um, certainly through Helen's community at EWL, my own in, in terms of ILEA, we're sort of pulling this together. What mm. we're very fortunate of doing within ILEA is we've got some really, really um, highly qualified people. That we were able to put in front of other event professionals to give them practical advice. But the reality is this thing's growing around us as well and ahead of us. What we're hoping to do is to put together a series of resources that will help event professionals deal with some of the um, specific strains that are associated with the events industry. And what we're doing at the moment is, is finding the right people and the right resources and the right intelligence to, 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 to put those things together. Um, it's going to be part of a, a wider um, uh, awareness campaign that we're looking to um, en- enact. That we'll try and use as a as a mechanic, as a as a mechanism to 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 raise wholesale um, awareness of health and wellbeing within the events industry and specific to the events industry as well. So um, myself, Helen, and, uh, and some other um, brave band of brothers are, are kind of all getting together to to do this basically.
0: Um, and Helen, just referencing again the fact that you said that you've got 20 years experience now in the industry, both working um, in venue operations and as a, as a, as a freelance um, event director. Um, how important is it that the people who have that level of experience within the industry are working with people with far less experience and people just taking their first steps into the industry to mentor them in a way in, in good practices, good habits and good ways of looking after yourself?
2: Absolutely, I think it's crucial, I think it's crucial, and um, Alistair touched um, earlier, I think it's important to keep talent in the industry, and you can do that by offering support, advice, mentoring, you've, you've touched on that, um, EWL actually has its own mentoring programme Evolve, so you have people on that programme, we support and educate through that, um, and through EWL's events as well that we, that we had in May, that was one of the, the crucial things that came out of the wellbeing lunch that we held were there's 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 young people in the industry that because of the stress levels that are find they're finding it quite difficult and mm-hmm. actually feel quite alone. So I think what's crucially we want to do with the initiative that we're all starting is sending out a message to people that you're not alone. You're not the only person that's that's struggling perhaps uh, you know it's yeah. A part of what we do, this is how you can manage it. Kind of stuff. So it, it's saying that, you know, it, it's good to talk. It's good to talk about it. Don't feel that if you're struggling or you're feeling stressed that you might, people are going to think badly of you or think that you're not good at what you do or you're not good enough because you're finding it difficult at times. We all find it difficult at times. Mm. I suppose it all comes down to stigma. Which you know, us Brits have got a lot to answer for our stiff upper lip,
0: basically. Stiff upper lip, yes.
2: Yeah, because it it's created a kind of stigma and culture in this country where if if you are having problems, then you know you don't talk about it, you keep it behind closed doors, kind of stuff, and it it's it's it creates problems for a few people.
0: Well, especially with people who are of of a more a junior age, stepping out, that they that they they maybe don't want to be seen as being weak, but similarly they don't want to appear that they can't cope or do the job that they're being asked to do. Um, and I guess that, that there is that, this all comes back down to understanding, doesn't it? Understanding, you know, what is an acceptable level of, of, of pressure within the workplace in order to deal with the jobs that you've got. And also, perhaps Alistair, when that actually starts to become a little bit more knowing that it's okay to say, I'm feeling the pressure a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and um, I think it's also understanding where that pressure is coming from as well. I mean, pretty much every in-house event organiser or every client, so to speak, at the top of the event uh, industry that I've spoken to, has said that they categorically do not want agencies, freelancers, suppliers or staff working themselves to the bone, damaging themselves in their name. They just don't want it. So. My my mantra is that no event happens without a brand or a business supporting it. And if our brands and the businesses are telling us that they don't want this, then as an industry we need to wisen up around that as well and, and not spend their money in that sort of way. I also, already as part of this, I've seen some amazing examples of event agencies that are dealing with this internally and doing brilliant things for their staff and with their staff around that. And I guess we want to hold those up as ambassadors of how it can be done well. But also, for those that aren't quite onto this just yet, start sitting there kind of going, there is another way, you know?
0: And Helen, you were nodding there. Did, did you have something to sort of tap onto that?
2: Yeah, I was just going to add to what Alistair said, because I think it touches on what I said, but particularly the, the wave in the corporate industry, corporate market at the moment, is um, there's a lot of businesses out there who do not want suppliers. Suppliers, people working on their events, they're stakeholders, basically. Working long hours and putting themselves under considerable stress because they also have the well-being or wellness initiatives within their companies, and that's that. Those well-being initiatives don't just stop at their employees; it stops at share all of their stakeholders, shareholders. Every so that that's why that's very important kind of stuff. And I think that's, that's why you'll start seeing you will start seeing a change. I right, think where a lot of corporates and a lot of clients will start putting their foot down now, but it's also. As well, I suppose, realistic about how much we hide as an industry, um, and starting to be transparent with our clients as well, and let them know, that being truthful with them in terms of you know what we're having to, do, what has to be done to deliver an event if they're giving tight deadlines, for example, kind of not just kind of taking it taking it on the chin and kind of saying oh we have to get on with it, actually being truthful with our clients because they're going to start asking for that team time sheets and say, if you want us to deliver this event in this time, this is what it's gonna take. These are the hours that our stakeholders and suppliers and everything are gonna have to put, this is the hours that our team are gonna be in. So I think it's down to us as organisers, as an industry, to start being more honest and open and having those conversations with our with our clients so that, that we're being transparent. So they're fully in the know. Because so, a lot of the time, they they have no idea. <laughs> they don't really know.
0: One thing we've not touched on, and and this might only take a brief moment, but um, is is the the moral as well as the legal obligation. When we're talking about people who work for an organisation and who are employed by an organisation, it's not just the moral obligation that we have as an industry to, to make sure that people are not... Overly stressed, that they're not suffering, that they know that they can come forward if they want to, and say, "Look, can I have some help to to help cope with this?" There's also perhaps a legal obligation, isn't there, as an employer, to make sure that the health and well-being is looked after. And I guess the worst-case scenario is somebody is is just put under that much pressure with very little support that they leave a job, and actually there could be some litigation as a result of that. Yeah.
2: Well, as 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 companies, as business holders, myself is, it's like a managing director of a company, myself is a freelance, you have a duty of care. So when I'm on site and I have a team with me, I have a duty of care to that team to ensure that they've eaten, to ensure that they're taking breaks. And there's a legal obligation to that as well. So I did it. The employment laws that we all have to follow, that applies to events as well. So you have to make sure they're taking breaks. You have to make sure you've fed them. You have to make sure that they're not doing too many long... There is a legal obligation, absolutely, absolutely. That duty of care, duty of care applies to all of us. But too Um, many times, I suppose, it's, it's easy to ignore it.
0: Uh, Alistair, when it comes to, to looking at this in, in further detail, um, the event industry is, is uh, a, a brilliant one for a statistic and, and for data and data analysis. Um, is there a, a desire to actually source more data on this issue within the wider industry and actually find out exactly how many people can claim to, to have been suffering from this um, and, and is there a possibility that the people who do suffer with stress in their roles as an event organiser would suffer with the same stress regardless of what job they do? People, some people are just prone to it, is it just a case that the people that we're aware of would suffer that regardless of whether they were a postman, uh, working behind a bar or being an event professional?
1: So and I think it's a, it's a really important point. You know, The first thing we need to do is, is to understand how big our problem is. We've just been told that we've got a problem. So what we now need to do as an industry is go ahead and work out how big that problem is. And this campaign's really interested in doing that. We're looking at some surveys. We're looking at reaching out. We're using channels like earlier to go out and understand what this is. I think, again, you know, in terms of the follow-up questions about um, the sort of individual that will be most prone to stress, I actually think it's probably one and the same problem. I think the people that get the same adrenaline rush out of stress and high intense situations were the people that are are perhaps most vulnerable to it um, because I think that that good stress versus bad stress is actually a very small jump from one to the Mm. other. I'm not an expert in this, but it it, it wouldn't surprise me looking at the makeup of most um, well-functioning event professionals. And I guess it's for us to go into a, a, a deeper level of understanding around that To work out what it is that's um, attracting these people, what's making them successful, but also what are they putting on the line, what are they giving up to be successful, Um, and is it a matter that we could have had a load of other really, really good people in our industry if they um, uh, had decided not to give up on certain things, uh, not to sacrifice family or or friends or lifestyle um, to go in this industry, and what what sort of level of damage did that do to us, you know? So I think I think you know we're, we're We're interested as Eilear about events industry um, operating against other um, marketing mediums and how we stack up against them. We don't want to lose great creative people from the events industry to go and work in PR, marketing, social media DM, or whatever it is. We want them in our industry. Um, And if we're losing them, we need to understand why.
0: And uh, as we sort of move towards the end of today's episode, just a couple of minutes left, um, let's bring Eventwell into the conversation, um, and I don't know which one of you wants to just give us a, a bit of an overview about what EventWell is, um, I, I know that I think there's a website in the pipeline as well, tell us a bit more about it and what it's hopefully going to do. Hello. Okay. <laughs> um,
2: so, Dad, yeah, I'll start on this, just to, I mean, the reason very much importantly for me as to why I wanted to get behind a new sort of like mental health and wellbeing initiative for the industry is I myself was diagnosed with bipolar in two thousand and nine. and um, it went missed for many years, mm-hmm. um, mainly because the kind of depression side of it was only recognised, but my and stigma and misunderstanding, I suppose. So the actual high or hypomania, which is what I, I experience quite a lot was missed. Because from a mental health perspective, people don't automatically recognize kind of an extreme high as a mental yeah. health issue. Now, for me, in terms of my own diagnosis, for me, it can be very positive. Because if I'm experiencing a hypomania, um, I can actually be quite creative. I'm caught up with some good ideas. Um, it's been known for me to do complete rebrands, think about some really great creative ideas, strategic ideas for events and stuff while I've, I've been in a manic episode. Um, but it's the change for me is the fact that I've learned how to manage that and how to cope with that and how to work in the industry. So I suppose the biggest message um, that I want event well and why I came up with the idea, the idea with the guys here for event well is, is to send the message now that's positive which is what we touched on at the start of the webinar as well you know stress can be seen as a positive thing as well um, and it was, it was literally just to create something so people feel supported so they don't feel that they're on their own and so they, they've got somewhere where they can go for that support and assistance where they can speak to someone confidentially, where they might not be able to go and speak to their their manager or their colleagues, more because as well, because of any stigma or prejudice they might be experiencing, which I have actually myself experienced over the years as well, Mm -hmm. but that is down to, it's not down to anything negative, all it is is down to misunderstanding and stigma. Um, So the big thing really of putting Event 1 in place is to educate people, to try and battle that stigma, to support people, to offer advice, um, and it's it's really it's the, it's the right time to do it. It was at um, a Confex, having a conversation with another person at Confex, which we we got chatting over a coffee, and it just so happened to that other person I was talking to. It was the first time we'd ever sat down and met each other for the first time and had a coffee, also had a mental health um, sure. issue that they were experiencing, which was different to mine, but it was just. You know, by having that conversation, the two of us actually turned around then at the Confex last year by saying, Wouldn't it be great if something could be started in the industry that could send out the message so that the two of us, the positive feeling we've just experienced of talking to each other and having a shared experience with each other, other people could take away that experience as well. Because out of EWL's lunch that we had in May, the big thing that came out of that lunch Whereas people were going away from that lunch saying, I feel so much better because it's not just me. And for months, I have felt that it's not just me, because I've had nobody else to talk to. And if Eventwell, um, in terms of a campaign that we're looking to launch, if Eventwell can sort that by offering that support, then it it, it will achieve so much, in my view. So.
0: Um, w- one thing. It- I'll find the right way to, to 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 phrase this, but stress is a a mental state. Um, things like depression, people who suffer with bipolar um, uh, condition, is, is is definitely a mental health problem. Um, the two do often intertwine, but somebody who suffers with stress in the workplace is not necessarily suffering with a, a mental health issue or something that could be categorized as such as something like depression or bipolar. Is it important that, that going forward, Alistair, that these various different strands are identified clearly so that there aren't mixed messages going out there and people know not necessarily how to deal with it, but how to identify maybe what what they, they have to cope with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 as as Helen says, what we're trying to do is start a conversation with the events industry about this. Um, And every time I have a new one, something new comes out, something interesting comes out from other people. And it is about having those conversations so we can work out what this is. I think at the end of it, my own ambition is we understand the unique pressures that are on event professionals, regardless of their family mental state, their, their, their own personal demons, their own personal ambitions. But We understand the unique pressures that are on an events industry person and try to understand how to mitigate them in a way that means that any other contextual thing that's going on outside their world doesn't become 20 times worse just because they're an event professional. And I think that's where we want to have that conversation as Leah, because we, we, we want to look after our members, we want to look after the events industry, we want a flourishing industry, and we want great talent. And I think it's part of our own responsibility to see what we can do to, 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 to try and Instead of shouting about all the fantastic things that happened, just look at the cost of it as well.
0: And, and Helen, um, I'm going to come to you for a final comment. Um, I, I suppose on that same question really, that, uh, how do you see the importance of identifying some of the different issues and the differences between stress and definitive mental health issues and, and how we educate the, um, the industry uh, going forward?
2: Yeah, I suppose that... The biggest thing to leave, leave on, really, is um, stress is normal. Stress isn't a bad thing. Um, as human beings, we we have to experience stress. It's how, we've, how we survive, basically. If you take it back to Neanderthal Man and stuff, and that, that's how we survive. That's how we're still here, in effect. So just because you experience stress doesn't mean that you're going to end up with a mental health problem. But mental health, you know, it's always no prejudice. Uh, one in four of us, at some point, will experience A mental health illness or some kind of mental health problem. Um, Now, whether that's just a a period or bout of depression, whether that's bipolar, whether that's something more serious. um, What's important, what's important to educate on, is that people know what to do and what to where to go, where to go for help and support should that happen, and don't feel that they're alone where something can escalate and become a lot more serious. So. Stress is, stress is certainly not a bad thing. Having a mental health illness, or a or mental health problem is not a bad thing either, because mm-hmm. there is help and support out there for people, and I think that's the most important message we need to get across, is that it's, it's not negative, it's not bad, it's life. And unfortunately, with the, the stress that all of us are experiencing at the moment, not just in our working lives, but also in our personal lives, you know, rises of social media technology, role living completely different lives to how we were even, to how any of us were even living 10 years ago, for example. So it, it's taking, so it's all about really taking better care of ourselves and recognising those warning signs where if you, you need that help, that you know where to go to to get that help. But it's not not to be seen that it's a bad thing at all. It is, there's, there's help and assistance for everybody.
0: And as you point out statistically, Um, One in four, we're therefore dealing with something that effectively is going to impact on 25% of the people working within the events industry. If we were talking about any other subject within the industry that affected 25% of the workforce, there would be all sorts of massive initiatives and things in place to help cope with that and I think it's great Helen that, that you brought that statistic up because I, th- I suppose in a way what it does highlight is the potential impact it could have if we're talking about 25% of our industry. What we will have to do at that point is wrap up today's episode and say a huge thanks to our guests. Um, Alistair, I'll come to you first of all. Alistair is the President of the International Live Events Association UK Chapter. Alistair Turner, thank you very much for joining the podcast today.
1: welcome James, thank you.
0: And sincere thanks to Helen Moon. Helen is a freelance event director and also the managing director of the EWL Club. Helen, thank you very much for joining the podcast today and thank you very much for sharing your own experiences with us. Thank you very
2: much. Pleasure.
0: Um, going forward, am I okay to uh, to mention uh, the, the website address that relates to EventWell so that people can start having an initial look about what's, what's happening there? Um, the address is eventwell.org. Um, the website is live, and it's my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, that, that that's going to be a growing resource and a growing online presence to help look at this issue of health and wellness within the events industry. Um, so please head over and have a little look at that um, if you can. Today's podcast, as always, is sponsored by N200GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information about N200GES and its smart event solutions, head over to n 200 Dot com. Don't forget to tune in to next week's episode of the podcast as well, and uh, as well as watching it on video via news.com. you can also access audio versions of the podcast via iTunes. Thanks very much again to our guests, my name is James Dixon and we very much look forward to joining you on our next episode of Event Industry News Podcast.